Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. months or 99 and 10 months, each served the Lord in their own generation and left an incredible testimony, a powerful testimony. And so I want to talk this morning on the series number two, the faces of failure. I want to talk about not necessarily uh, your life for you, but your life for him, for the Lord. Your life from hell. I'm going to uh, talk about the life of Joseph, found in uh, Genesis chapter 37. Then you skip 38, which is a, a good part of the story, but not part of the story. And then you go chapters 39 right through to the end of the book of um, Genesis. We're not going to read every verse this morning. But I'll tell you the story, and then I'm going to come back to Psalms, and then I'll end up in John chapter 12, verse 24. And so before I do that, Um, I want to pray. And so, Father, here we are in church, uh, the church uh, over which Jesus Christ is the head and the church which is the body of Christ. We are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ and we don't meet together for a self-help program this morning or even to feel good. We We come to align ourselves with eternal purposes. Because this journey is bigger than us as individuals, bigger than us as a family, and bigger than us put together. This is about the Lord. And so we humble ourselves. Holy Spirit, take the word of the Lord and apply it to our hearts today, I pray, that every single one of us would leave this place different, recalibrated, Uh, less on the self-meter and more on the God, Lord Jesus Christ meter, aligned with you. Lord, you be our true north today for everything I say, everything we think and the decisions we make coming out of this message, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so the story goes roughly like this and uh, it's relevant because... Um, it starts with a dream, and for many of us, we have a dream. At least you should have a dream. Um, I used to work as an aged care chaplain, and one of the things I used to say to the people in aged care, because they'd say to me, Pastor John, when I die, could you bury me? And I said, I'm not going to bury you until you find out why you were born in the first place. Don't die without knowing why you were born. Imagine getting to the end of it, whether you're 1845 or 99, and you don't know why you're here in the first place. I hope this morning this might help you at least start to think about, what am I here for? And so Joseph, at the age of 17, has a dream. He has two dreams, actually, and he does something that you should never do. You should never share your dream with somebody if they're not ready for it, because they will pour cold water on it. If you come with a prophetic word early and you go, hey, God's told me I'm going to do this and they're not ready for it, expect them to go, yeah, whatever. Or as Peter Rabbit says, if you've seen Peter Rabbit, number two, it's worth seeing, what? 
he says. That's what Peter Rabbit goes. It's like, what? So he shares the dream, and uh, the, dream, the dream is about, well, there's two dreams. One is about uh, he sees himself as a sheaf of wheat standing up, and his brothers, he's got 11 of them and one sister, and they're bowing down to him. And uh, he goes, hey, I had a dream, and you're bowing down to me. And they didn't like that. And he said, I've got another dream. I see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and they're all bowing down. He says, so you think your mother, your father, and we are going to bow down to you. And so they didn't like him to begin with, but they hated him even more because he used to dob them in. When they did something wrong in the field, he'd come back and he'd say to his dad, Jacob, he said, they had the boys are playing up. Dad would go, thank you. And dad made him a coat of many colors. And you've seen that in uh, Joseph's Technicolor dream coat, and it's a coat with stripes on it different colours. I don't think it had stripes. I think it had concentric circles like a target. <laughs> and a bullseye. It's like, hey, look at this. And they went, thank you. We know what to aim at. And they aimed at him and they took him out. They were going to kill him. Reuben said, let's kill him. And Judah, one of the other older brothers, and they were much, much older than him. And one of the brothers said, let's not kill him, let's sell him, which is like a Jewish thing. I, I, we won't go there, but you know, get some money for him. And they sold him. And they sold him. It seems in Jewish tradition, they sold, he was sold four times. He was sold to the Ishmaelites. And then the Ishmaelites sold him to the Midianites. And the Midianites sold him to somebody else. And eventually he ended in, in Egypt. I don't know whether the price got better or worse as he went down. He's a good-looking guy, apparently. And they sold him, and he ended up working for a guy called Potiphar. And when he ended up working for Potiphar, he did really well. He succeeded, at least for a short period of time, until Potiphar's wife took a shine to him. And now, you know how Pastor Andrew's been preaching recently, and some of those messages shouldn't be on podcasts for some of the things he comes out with. So I won't go there. He would. He would have gone right there, but I won't go there. And... Uh, so he ran away from Potiphar's wife. She falsely accused him uh, of doing something he never did. And uh, the history of the story with Potiphar must have interceded with Pharaoh because normally what would have happened is if um, the accusation of sexual impropriety would have ended up with him being executed. But Potiphar must have known that he was he was faithful and so said to Pharaoh just put him in jail put him into the dungeon instead and so the series is called the faces of failure and uh, interestingly uh, Joseph like Daniel doesn't have a moral flaw to his character but it doesn't mean to say that he didn't fail he he failed to see that he was in danger with his brothers he failed to convince them not to sell him. He failed to convince the, uh, the Ishmaelites that he was actually part of this family. So there was a whole lot of tension and trauma. We'll come back to that later when we read the scripture in Psalms because it talks about how traumatic the journey was. This wasn't a like, okay, the hand of God's on your life. You've got a prophetic word. It's going to work out well. Could you go from point A to point Z to the end, Alpha Omega, beginning to end without any trauma? It had trauma written all over it. And this point of the message you say to me, thank you, Pastor John, because now you're describing my journey, which has got trauma written all over it. 
And as I said to my good friend Dave out the front this morning, God splits us open, cleaves us and fills us with seed that we might go forth bearing the good news of his message. I don't want to get to the end of my days and all I've got is my message. It's like having one of those bags when you're on the plane, the, you know, the paper bags. It's like, it's like if I get to the end of my days and it's only me and what I did, it's not worth living. I want to die with his message on my lips. And that is why you are here, because he's called you to himself. Praise God. And so he ends up in jail and they forget about him. What did you say? My God, because you are identifying Twinkie Polis from St. Lucia, which I think has got a... Is that where the volcano is at the moment? Uh, St. Vincent's, which is down the road. You only get the ash, you don't get the fire. Yeah. And so uh, she said, my God, because she's identifying, she's identifying right now with being left alone in the dungeon. Isn't it interesting? He gets a dream about the sheaves of wheat... I bet he wasn't eating good wheat in jail. He's in the dungeon. He's had a dream about the sun, the moon and the stars and he can't even see them. And he's left there for years and years and years and years and there comes an opportunity for him to help some guys out and he says to them, he says, when you get out of jail, so there's the, the baker and the, the cupbearer and they come and we, they, we, we had dreams and we don't know how to interpret these dreams and he says, well... Interpretation of dreams belong to the Lord, but the Lord's given me the interpretation. And for you, you're going to be restored to the king as a king's cup bearer. And for you, the baker, your head's coming off in three days. And he says to the cup bearer, not to the baker, because the baker can't help him because he's not going to be around much longer. He says to the cup bearer, when you, when you get out, remember me and put in a good word for me. And they didn't. And he's left in jail. And he's left in the dungeon. And if you feel that you're in the dungeon now, then I want you to pray, Lord, make this time good for me and good for the kingdom. As a matter of fact, I could pray and finish right there. Because what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it for good. And I didn't ask Zeke to actually do that song, but that's the song that comes, that comes from the story of Joseph later on. And so... Eventually, when Pharaoh has a dream, the cupbearer goes like this. Ah, I promised Joseph that I would remember him. I know somebody who can interpret your dream on the right day to the right person. And so Pharaoh says, get him out of here. And he comes up and he, he comes up to Pharaoh and Pharaoh says to him, I had this dream, what does it mean? He said, you don't ask me, you should ask God. But as a matter of fact, I've asked God and I know what the interpretation of your dream is. The dream was seven really fat cows and seven skinny cows. And he's had it twice and he says, what does it mean? And Joseph said to him, the seven fat cows are seven years of plenty, the best harvest we've ever had. The seven skinny cows that came and ate the seven fat cows are seven years of extreme famine. Pharaoh says, what do I do? Joseph says, you need to appoint somebody to actually get the harvest in, build cities of harvest 
build granaries and, and put away as much harvest as you can. Take 20% of the harvest from everybody and put it in and stock it up and stock it up and then appoint somebody to hand it out during the... And he says to, his, to all his uh, supporters, all his officials, who is the person that can do this? And they said nobody except for Joseph. And in one day, in one day they lift him from the dungeon and they put him second in charge of Egypt. Nobody more important in the world than Joseph. And they and listen, young people, listen to me. They give him three things. They give him a ring, a robe, and wheels. The second best chariot in all of Egypt. Read about it. It's in the Bible. And that's what every young person wants. A ring, a robe, and a wheels. That's all they want. That's all they want. Bit of bling. Young people. Some threads, bling, threads, and wheels. Okay? Just something to get me from point A to point B in the quickest possible time with the best stereo. That's all I'm after. But he didn't use it for himself. He used the authority that God had given him and the keys to the granary to feed the nations of the world so that when the famine came, all of Egypt was saved, all of Israel was saved, and every nation living in the area of Canaan was saved. He saved nations because the hand of God and the call of God was on his life. But what we need to remember is this, that from 17 to 30, what's that, 13 years, there's failure littered all along the way. Favoured but targeted, called but rejected, sold and abandoned, falsely accused and jailed, forgotten, promised much but received little. Somebody said it's difficult to see the sun, the moon and the stars when you're in a dungeon. Let me stop and talk about you. It's difficult to see the sun, the moon and the stars when you're in the dungeon. But don't, don't just take note of where you are. Take note of who you are. And that the hand of God is on you. And I believe, I believe, based on the word of God, that every single one of us are called. We are called to serve the true and living God. Every single man, woman and child on the planet has a call of God, not just to do your own thing, because I've done my own thing and it's not as good as I thought it would be. I want to do his thing. I want to find out. Somebody said, what is the definition of success? Success is finding the will of God and doing it. Success is finding the will of God and doing it. And it doesn't have to be that big. It can be that big. Uh, by the way, I, I can guarantee failure for you. I went to church. I heard Pastor Rob preaching. They call me Rob, a random old bloke. <laughs> Pastor Rob preached. And he gave me, and he gave me this, the, the secret to failure. Guaranteed failure is if you compare yourself with somebody else, you will fail in fulfilling the will of God on your life. You cannot do it. 
You've got to compare yourself with what he has asked you to do. And what, when he comes in, hey, this is good too, because this is a guaranteed failure as well. When he tells you what he's called you to do, you can't even do that in your own strength. But the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if you've got a call of God on your life and you think it's too much, well, praise God. Let's see how this is going to turn out. Amen. So, the story of Joseph is not the story of one man's journey. It's like, ah, uh, have you met my friend Mike, by the way? Can I tell you about Mike's journey? Well, Mike's journey's good. Mike's journey's great. But it's actually not Mike's journey that are, that's important. It's actually the redemption story on Mike and his family. The, you know, the, so, so God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, whose name became Israel later on. And now Joseph. And it's, it's, it's not, hey, I'll tell you the story of John. It's like, mm, boring. It's not the story of John that's important. It's the story of... How does John fit into the redemptive purposes of God for his generation and the generations to come after him? Naomi, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Naomi. She's got the hand of God that's crackling with the anointing. Wow. And she's focused. She's taking notes, actually. She's focused on what's God saying to her today? What's it all about? And I'm only picking on Naomi because I know her name. And, and I would pick on you, but some of you, I don't know your name. So please stay around. Let us get to know you. And then when you come back, I can pick on you as well. <laughs> this is an equal opportunity picking on church. The redemptive story. The redemptive story. Joseph failed to discern how much to share with his family. He failed to discern that he was in trouble Failed to talk his brothers out of selling him, etc. But there was another failure as well. Jacob failed to ask the question, what does the dream mean? He got upset with his son as well. He didn't, he didn't advocate on behalf of his younger son to his brothers. Somebody turns up, with a dream or a vision to you, don't dismiss it out of hand because it sounds like that God's going to use them more than he's going to use you. Ask them, what do you think it means? Because in this particular story, it didn't mean that Joseph was going to stand up and they were going to bow down. It meant that Joseph was going to stand up and rescue them. I tell you the thing that Joseph didn't fail in. When it came opportunity to forgive his brothers, he didn't fail. If he had failed there, I, I, I'm going to go right out there. If he failed there, the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph would have finished there. That nation, that group of people, there's only 70 of them at that time. So Israel, a person becomes Israel, a family becomes Israel, a tribe becomes Israel, a nation of which we're called into in a sense, part of that. But if Joseph had failed to forgive his brothers, as a matter of fact, not only did he forgive them, but he blessed them. Not only did he bless them, but he made provision for them. He went to Pharaoh. He, he prophesied, 
I'm going to give you the land of Goshen. Then he went to Pharaoh and he says, we should give them land. And Pharaoh said, you can give them the best land in Egypt. And they can stay there. And they did stay there. And they stayed there as a nation, as a cradle for the nation of Israel for 450 years. And they went in as 70 and they came out as, somebody said, two and a half million of them in the purposes of God. This is one of the, the, the most awesome stories in the word of God. But it wouldn't have happened if Joseph hadn't forgiven them. And eventually he turns up and they, when eventually Jacob dies and, and the brothers say, you know, when the old man's gone, our brother's going to get it to us. He's, he's, only, he's only nice to us until the old man's around. The old man's died. And they come back and go, hey, bro, you know, it's like, did you really forgive us? And he said, uh, I've totally forgiven you. You meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. You meant it, and he blessed them. So much was the blessing, by the way, that when Jacob was alive, that Joseph took his father into the presence of Pharaoh, and Jacob blesses Pharaoh. Stop and think about that for a minute. Your obedience to the Lord allows others to affect the destiny of nations. Your obedience. You say to me, how does that work? What's, what's going to happen? I have no idea. And by the way, Joseph's in the dungeon and he's not reading books about how to do it. And he's not, he hasn't got a cell group. And he's not going to church. You know, he never went to church at all while he was in the dungeon. He never went to church. Never got up. Whoa, yeah. But obviously he's talking to God. And you are sitting here and you're thinking, it's, it's just me. Nobody knows where I'm at and I'm all alone and it's just me. And, and it's like, and if it's just you, then it's just you and God. And God's able to, to sustain you. Now, I want you to come back to church next week. And I want you to join the singers if you need to be. And I want you to listen to worship. And I want you to listen to Family Radio 96.5. There's an ad for you for somebody who works for them. I want you to listen to Family Radio, Christian Radio 96.5. I want you to do that. I want you to be in a small group. Okay? And I want you to read books on whatever. I want you to grow in the things of God. But at the end of the day, it's you and God. It's you and God. And so he becomes one of the most influential people in the Middle East at that time. Uh, so this is the verse that we're going to, which, which explains a lot of it. And uh, this is... Uh, so Psalm 105, and if you've got a Bible, you could open it. And it depends on what version you've got. I'm going to quote it out of two versions. One's the New Living Translation and then the Amplified. This is called the backstory, because I've just told you Joseph's story, but behind the story, there's a story. So what's the story behind your story? What's the story behind your story? The story behind your story is the purposes of God, and the hand of God is behind your story. This is the backstory to Joseph. In Psalm 105, it talks about God working through the nation of Israel, through the different times and seasons all through the generations, and it comes to the part about Joseph. He, God, called for a famine in the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Whoa, 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 whoa. He called. God called. God called for a famine. 
It's like, the devil, I'm standing against the devil. I rebuke you, devil. This famine, I rebuke you. It's like, whoa, bro, 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 bro. It's not the devil. It's God. God's, this is a setup. Just like your life is a setup. God set you up. It's like, has he set me up to take me out? No, he set me up to bless me and use me for his purposes. And before the famine came, God started to prepare. So you don't know what's ahead of you. You have no idea what's ahead of you. But what's ahead of you, God's getting you ready for now. It's not going to get to the stage where God goes, whoa, I didn't see that coming. It's like, whoa, famine, where did that come from? God, God set it up and he set you up. It's like, it's like God knows you so much and loves you so much and he's got a plan for you that he's setting you up. Every single thing you've been through, good and bad, thank God for it. Good and bad, thank God for it. I'll tell you a little story later because these two girls conspired last week. When I was sharing a story, they said, you've got to share that. So I will, but in a minute. And he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. It wasn't a little, ah, oh, come along, take the hand of Jesus, sing Kumbaya, Jesus loves me, this I know. It wasn't like that. It was shackles and a neckband in a dungeon and not decent bread, slops. It's like, what did he do wrong? No, he's not doing anything wrong. It's just that God loves him. He's got a plan for his life. It's like, no thanks. <laughs> Next. <laughs> no, God allowed that to happen. In the Amplified Bible, it said God sent a man before them. Even Joseph, who was sold as a servant, his feet they hurt with fetters and he was laid in chains of iron and his soul entered into the iron and then in brackets, John writes, that's me, iron entered his soul. His soul entered into iron, but iron entered into his soul. Because when God eventually gets you to the place he wants you to be, he needs you to be strong in that place. You who said, I cannot be strong. You who fail. You who haven't got what it takes to do what God's called you to do. He will make sure he strengthens that. Yes, it could hurt. But in the hurt, give thanks for it. In everything, this is what Paul writes, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And because we've got some visitors and you've never met me and you didn't hear my testimony last, last uh, year as I was preaching, so when they diagnosed non-Hodgkin lymphoma, incurable cancer, and when I went through chemotherapy last year, my verse was, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. The lymphoma the incurable blood disease is not necessarily the will of God, but me giving thanks in the middle of it is. And I went through, I have no symptoms of whatever, and I had no side effects from the chemotherapy. And I'm glad. 
I'm so glad I went through that because the Lord was so close to me. But I want to stand with authority and declare to you it works. And I want you to understand when your time comes that you stand with authority. You stand with the authority of the call of God on your life. That what if, well, what if, what if, if what if happens and what if, what if, we will stand and declare the goodness of the Lord. All things work together for good. And then it says, until his word, Amplified says, to his cruel brothers came true. In other words, until the dream came through. But it's also until the word of the Lord comes true. Until the word of the Lord tried and tested him. You say, Pastor John, have you ever been tried or tested in the dungeon? Mm, yeah, no. Yeah. So I'm going to just give you a little bit of a snapshot, and I can't do it long because I'm going to land this in a few minutes. I've been in ministry for about 45 years, and we, Catherine and I, felt called to ministry. We felt God was calling us. And then one day when I was driving, uh, I felt the Lord speak to me audibly that the church that I was a youth director in, I'd become the pastor of. And I said to Catherine, whoa, the Lord's just spoken to me, I'm going to become the pastor of this church. Which is interesting because I'd never been to Bible college or anything. Or... Anyway, within about four months, I was the pastor of the church. And uh, so because I've never been to Bible college, or by then I hadn't been, I've since been to Bible college. I have a degree in biblical theology, which I had to get later on. But my first years in pastoral ministry and church planting was because I'd sat in a church like this under the word of God five times a week and was taught not only to hear the word of God but walk in it. And so that was a great journey to become a pastor, have the call of God on your life. Let me tell you how it worked, the dungeon. Uh, excommunicated from our first church, thrown out, told not to come again. Uh, by this stage, everybody's starting to walk to the door. Misunderstood, uh, sorry, voted out of my second church. I was the pastor, I was voted out. They voted me out. I used to have elections. 12 nil, uh, the deacons and the helps, they voted me, we don't want you. Voted me out. Third church, almost misunderstood. And as a missionary in Thailand, almost run off the mission field or some of the guys were going to take my visa to work in Thailand. You think... That's the guy I want to come and hear him preach. He's obviously got a great track record. I want to tell you that all through that, that wasn't the enemy. Maybe it was me. <laughs> there's, a, you know, there's, a, there's a common number in there. That's you, isn't it, John? That's happening to you. And some of it was me, but I believe it was God. How else would God teach me leadership and how else would God teach me the word of God? And how else would he teach me to love the church? Unless I'd been through that. Because some of that you've been through. And some of that you will go through. There'll be misunderstood. Ever been misunderstood? Ever been falsely accused of something? Ever been sidelined? Excluded? Maybe not excommunicated? You ever been any of that? If not, get ready. And yet in every single circumstance of those, God reversed it. The church that I was 
excommunicated from and the church that I was voted out from, they joined together and has become a great church. And I'm invited back there. And those people are my friends. One of the guys, the, the pastor that excommunicated, I employed him later on. Uh, I was working as a chairman, founding chairman of a Christian school. And the guy that threw us out of church, I employed as a draftsman. And God healed the relationship. The, the church I was voted out of, I was back in the same church 18 months later as the district superintendent installing their new pastor. How does that work? It works when you forgive. It works when you learn this. And by the way, John, how do, you, how, do you, how do you remember these things? Can you remember them? No, don't remember them. They're burnt into my flesh. What, what's burnt in? What scriptures? Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Return evil with good. It's like, what's that? What's burning? That'd be me. That's because God just burned it into my soul. You've got to bless. You've got to do it God's way. You cannot do it your way. You can do it your way, but no fruit. You can do it his way and have abundant fruit. And so we were almost run off the mission field. And so when Pastor Andrew and myself were back in Thailand the year before last, the church, the 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 superintendent of the Thailand Assembly got back in those days wanted me to do something which was a little bit dodgy and I said, I can't do that. And they said, well, if you don't do it, we're not going to give you your visa. You can go home. Anyway, God turned it around. The current, the current president of the Assemblies of God in Thailand is our best friend. And Catherine and I were there for his son's wedding uh, September before last. And Andrew and I were there to preach the year before that. And so those who didn't want us... Uh, the guy who's now there with the church of 2000, Andrew and I are preaching in that church. Well, I preach there every year and I've done so for the last 15 or 20 years. But it doesn't work if you don't forgive. And it doesn't work unless you take the failures that you've had and turn them around. Zach, would you come back, please? And just play, just quietly, just quietly the, the chorus of that message and uh, I'm finished but God hasn't I've finished but God hasn't I want to declare to you that not only is it the word of God but it works it works it works and I want to declare to you that it doesn't matter what's happened to you good or bad it doesn't matter who has let you down and who's failed you? And it doesn't matter if you've failed. You can use that failure for good. And it's not about you, it's about him. And he wants you to stand wherever you are. Like, like Joseph in the dungeon, still sharing the prophetic word in his daily life to the baker and the candlestick maker or whatever the cupbearer. I'm sure the candlestick maker was there. And it works together for good. And whether you're a young person or some of our older people I'm included the hand of God is on our life. Would you stand with me for a minute and I'm going to pray. We're just going to sing really quietly uh 
together for good, together for good. Just sing it quietly and just sing it to the Lord and sing it to yourself. If you can, you take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good, turn it for good. Sing it again, turn it for good. Enemy meant for evil and turn it for good, turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good, turn it for good. If you'd like to, just put your hands in front of you or at least your heart before the Lord. And so, Father, in this place this morning, there are uh, 50, 60, 70 people, whatever the number might be. Every one of them with a story, every one of them with, a, with a, an experience, a feeling, a definitive day, a hurt, an abandonment, a rejection, whatever it might be but every one of them with the call of God on their life and a destiny that is bigger than themselves because it's God's size. It's part of the redemptive story. And here we are as individuals, as families and the church, making ourselves available to use us for this city and should it be necessary to use some of us beyond. For Joseph, he changed the socio-economic balance of the Middle East in his day, redefined the relationship between nations, way beyond what he ever saw with his dream. Not only the sun, the moon and the the stars bowing down, but all the Egyptian gods subject, subject to Joseph and the one true living and only God whose son Jesus Christ is our saviour if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to the Lord can I encourage you that that which you are feeling now to press in and understand more about your destiny and his purpose in your life can I encourage you to find somebody and talk to somebody about that after the meeting but for the rest of us now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ rest upon us. May the sense of the call of God quicken and sustain us that we might step out of ourself and our limitations and into the fullness of God's purpose for us. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Don't rush away. There is uh, morning tea going to be served in a COVIDly safe way, whatever that is. But somebody will come to you with a coffee or tea or something. Please introduce you to somebody. We've got some guests. Please don't let anybody leave who's a guest without at least them knowing that uh, they're welcome here. God bless you. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.